are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So Ned and I went on a vacation with some friends a few years ago, and um, while we were with them, um, I began to become very aware of what I felt like was a stark contrast in, in my friend and his life and, and in me and my life. And, and the contrast that seemed so apparent to me was he was a very generous person. I was just kind of taken back. And, and I remember trying to think through that and I wondered, why, why do you think that he is so generous? And when I kind of see myself in light of him, I don't see myself as, as generous. Is it, is it kind of, he's just kind of given to that? That's just kind of his demeanor, his, his personality, he's, that comes natural for him? And I begin to ask, is there something that he knows that I don't know? Or is there something that he believes that I don't believe? And I remember feeling like God spoke to me through that experience that week. And I felt like the Lord was calling me to be a more generous person. And I found myself praying... So God, I don't know the path to getting there, but I want you to help me become more generous in in my life. So we've been talking for a few weeks about life in the kingdom of God and, and what this community of God looks like. And what we learned is that Jesus ushered in a kingdom and this kingdom is a very generous community. So some of you are right now thinking, okay, it is spring break Sunday and we stayed in town and we came to church and it's time change Sunday so we got up the hour earlier just to be here and old joy the pastor is going to talk about me becoming more generous in giving right well I, I think we can we can probably grow as a result of this time together so I'm really glad you're here and I'm very excited about sharing God's word with you this morning so here's what I believe is the truth okay this is what I believe is the truth I believe the truth is this Everything I have belongs to God. There is nothing that I have that is really mine. And I am a manager of God's possessions. And the thing that I constantly must do as a follower of Jesus is ask the Father, how can I use these gifts you have given me To bring glory to your name. I think that's the truth. That nothing that I have is mine. It all belongs to God. I'm simply a manager of what God possesses. And what I must constantly ask Him is, How should I use these gifts you have entrusted to me? Okay? So one of the places that I find that in the Word of God is in the Old Testament, if you want to open a Bible with me, to the book of First Chronicles. Okay? 1 Chronicles chapter 29. So if you're kind of new to carrying a Bible, you get about a third of the way into the Bible, you find a lot of 1st and 2nds. 1st and 2nd Samuel, Kings, and then you'll get to Chronicles. And we're in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, and I'm going to start reading with verse 14. So here's what's going on. David appears before the assembly of Israel. And he says to them, My son Solomon is going to build a temple for our God. God did not choose me to build the temple. He chose Solomon. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to support the building of the temple by giving of my resources. 
And he tells them how much he's going to give. And then he says, I want all the leaders of Israel to step up and give in this offering. And step up and give in the offering. They did really well. People were amazed at how much money and gifts were given for the building of the temple. And so David, after all this money is given, he prays a prayer of thanks. And then this is what he says in verse 14. But who am I? And who are my people? That we should be able to give as generously as this. Because everything comes from you. And we have given you only, I love the word only, we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as all our ancestors were. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. But Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for the building of a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand. And all of it belongs to you. So this is God's word for us today. Okay? So I carry with me almost everywhere I go a wallet. And I have it with me this morning. And I have what most of you probably have in your wallet. I've got credit cards. I've got... um, driver's license. I've got a Sam's Wholesale Club membership card in here, and I don't know what else. But I also have some cash. Uh, I usually don't carry much cash because my wife doesn't give me much cash to carry, but sometimes uh, she does. And right now, I only have six dollars. Don't have any pity from any of you over that. Oh, only six bucks. But, but if I ask you this morning, if this is my wallet, and I walked in here with it in my pocket, and I've got cash in my wallet, then whose money is this? I'm sorry? Wow. It's like you want to answer, but you're not really willing to. So if I walk in here this morning with this wallet in my pocket, and I take money out of my wallet, and I earn this money, and I work for this money, and I deserve this, whose money is this? Oh, now you're all together. But you know what? You've been listening to this series long enough to know that there's another story. Right? And it's very different than the story that I told you earlier when I said, I believe this is the truth. I believe that everything I have belongs to God. And I'm only a manager. And I should be asking every day, God, how do you want me to use these gifts? But the other story goes something like this. This is mine. I worked for it, I earned it, and I deserve it. And I get to choose to do whatever I want to do with it. The choice is mine. And that's the story that the world tells us every day. This is my money. It's in my pocket. I worked for it. I earned it. I deserve it. And I get to choose what I do with it. A very different story. So, I think you and I have to think a little bit together this morning. The goal always is this. We want to be like Jesus. And when I think about the life that Jesus lived, the story that says, this is mine, I never hear from him. And in fact, it seems like Jesus said, I'm going to stay as far away from money as I can stay. He even said one time, the Son of Man, referring to himself, has no place to lay his head. I don't own a home. 
When it comes to money and possessions, I'm just going to kind of stay away. I don't hear Jesus ever saying, this is mine, I earned it, I deserve it, I get to choose what I want to do with it. What I hear from Jesus is the opposite. It's the other story. It's everything that I have. My life, everything that I have, God, it belongs to you. And, and I just want you to be glorified in me and all that I have. So how do we become like Jesus? James Bryan Smith, in his book, The Good and Beautiful Community, that we are using as a guide for this series, and many of you are studying it together in classes and in small groups and individually, he, he says that the way that we change, the way that we become like Christ, is that we must make sure that we have the right story. James Bryan Smith would say this, that he believes there is a great direct correlation between what we think, what we believe, and how we live our lives. There is a direct correlation between what I believe to be true and how I live out my everyday life. That's what he would say. And so, if your story is this, no, 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 Rick, I, I worked for this, and I earned it, and I deserve it, and it's mine, and it's for me, and I get to choose what I do with this. If that's your story, then becoming like Christ in the area of generosity may feel impossible to you. And so how do we get the right story in our heads? I know that I never, ever, ever stand up here on Sunday morning and say to you that I want to preach to you this morning, and I have three points. <laughs> but guess what I've got this morning? Three points. Because what I find in this Scripture is that these people knew three things. So when I look at it and I say, what did David know that I don't know? Or what did he believe that maybe other people don't believe. What, what was it about David and the people of Israel that led to them this act of extreme generosity that everybody was amazed at? What was it about them that brought them to this place? Was it something they knew? And I think there were three things that they knew. And so if you're going to write something down, um, I think the first thing is that they knew who they were. And so the first thing that I would write down, if I'm writing down these three points, that's going to help me become more like Christ and my generosity, I think I would write down these words. Know yourself. Or if you're writing to yourself, you can say know myself. I think that's important. I think the second thing that they knew was they knew the source of their resources. So know your resources. And the third thing was that they somehow, because they knew themselves and they knew the source of their resources, they were able to come to know the joy of giving. Know the joy of giving. So let's kind of work our way through some of that together this morning, okay? We were um, listening to news on Friday because we were in the car for quite a while together. And if you turn to any news channel, what dominated the news Friday was what, you know? It was the funeral of Nancy Reagan. She died last week, and so just dominating the airwaves was her funeral. Now, this is not about whether or not you were a fan of Nancy Reagan or you were a fan of her husband, Ronald Reagan, or not a fan. It's not a political issue. Here's the deal. Nancy Reagan somehow made 
the world stage. Wow. I mean, how many people make the world stage? Meaning, the people in the world, all over the world, they know her name. So it wasn't just the United States of America, but the world paused on Friday because it was her funeral. And you may say she did some really great things. You may say she didn't really do great things. But here's what happened. She started getting old. And then she got a lot older. And then she got really, really old. And then she died. And you're going, wow, the pastor's a barrel of laughs this morning. He's a real encourager. He's telling us, guess what, everybody? You get old and then you die. But when I look at these words in the book of First Chronicles that were written a long time ago, David had an understanding that said, who am I? I mean, when you think about God and all of who He is, and when you think about all of time, I mean, who am I? And who are my people? We're like strangers and foreigners. Our lives are like shadows. We're only here for a little while, and then we just vanish away. I mean, when you think about all of time, how long do you actually live on this earth? I mean, we're like a spot, a speck, a blink of the eye, and then one day we're just gone. David had this understanding, this is who I am, and I'm without hope. And if it weren't for God, I'm, I'm nothing. The, the, the reason I think this is so important is because if we're not careful, in this conversation of generosity, we begin to believe that we have made something of ourselves. And we begin to look at our lives as if I've done pretty good for myself. And look at what I've amassed. Or look at what I've accumulated. Or look at what I have built up. And we tend to want to step back and we forget where all of that stuff came from. And, and it really leads us to the next point, okay? And here's what the next point is. And I think that it, it's something that we're all going to kind of struggle a bit to get through. So, so let me just kind of get to it this way. I, I remember standing up before you a few years ago, and I remember that morning I was speaking with what I would call uh, authority. I was feeling good about what I had to say. And I was quoting an Old Testament um, scholar, the most respected in our day probably, whose name is Walter Brueggemann. And he wrote an article several years ago called The... Liturgy of Abundance, the Myth of Scarcity. And here's what he says in the article, and this is what I said to you that morning. Most of the resources of the world pour into the United States. But wealth has become like a narcotic for us. Because we have become somewhat numb to our prosperity in light of the world's poverty. Here's the contradiction, he says. We have much more money, but we have much less generosity. 
And what we've developed is a love affair with wealth. And more. And he says the truth is, we will never get enough. Brueggemann says, what I read in the Bible, beginning with Genesis 1, is a story about a God of abundance. In Genesis chapter 1, what does God say? I have provided all of this for you. Every seed of every green seed-bearing plant is yours. I've just provided an abundance for you. There's more than you'll ever need. But he says when you get to the 37th chapter of the book of Genesis, there's a different story told. And there's a Pharaoh who dreams about a famine. And sure enough, famine comes to the land. And what does he do? He begins to control all the food. And it's the first time ever in Scripture that you hear the words, there might not be enough. And God responds. When the children of Israel are set free from slavery in Egypt, what does he do? He reminds them, I'm a God of abundance. And every morning they get up and they go outside. What's all over the ground? Manna, bread for them to eat. And quail in the evening. And God says, I'm just reminding you of this liturgy of abundance. It's not a myth of scarcity that you should believe. I'm a good provider. And there's enough. But here's what Brueggemann concludes with. We are torn. We are torn because we want to believe in this God of abundance and generosity. But we tend to buy into this belief of scarcity. And Brueggemann says it makes us very greedy. And it makes us mean. And it makes us unneighborly. So here's the thing about being a pastor who preaches on Sundays. Is that sometimes you get up and you preach and you kind of on the way home say to your wife... Hey, that Brueggemann quote really landed. I think that was really good for those people to hear. And then that next week, God brings it back to you and says, Did you hear it? Because it was in that season that Chris Pollock was coming to me saying, I believe that God wants us to plant a church in Midtown. And I began to immediately ask the question, Should we sponsor this? Should we, should we give people to it? Should we give money to it? And so I've been praying because I felt like God was challenging me to want to plant churches. But there's this belief of scarcity that we live with in our society. What if there's not enough? What if we give too much away? Then we have less. And I remember over a period of a couple of weeks, and I remember coming to a staff meeting one day and confessing to the staff of what I was dealing with. And I remember finally making a decision that we would not lose anything, but that we would choose to give because I believe that there is enough. You see, what you believe has a great impact on how you live your life. And so we didn't lose a hundred and some people. We gave them away. And we didn't lose tithe dollars. We gladly gave it away. Because what we believe in our hearts is that there is enough. 
In fact, there's enough that we can give and we can share and we serve a God of abundance and we refuse to buy into the myth of scarcity. We know who our provider is. We have an understanding who the source of our resources is. And what David writes in this prayer, he says, God, everything that we have given, you know where it came from? It came from your hand. We know who our source is. We did not create any of this stuff, any of these offerings we brought. These all came from you. Everything we have comes from you. In fact, David says, and it even belongs to you. And so since you're the one who just keeps giving and giving and giving, then we ought to be able to give it away. So it's a matter of knowing who you are. And it's a matter of knowing who your resource is. There's a third point, and, and this is simply it. I, I walked into church a few Sundays ago in this service, and I was coming down that aisle, and I was saying hi to people and shaking a few hands with folks. And there was a husband and wife that came in, and I said, Good morning, how you doing? And she goes, Not good, the wind is about to blow me away today. It was a windy Sunday here. And she goes, But he loves it. And I looked over at him, and he goes, Yeah, I love the wind. I've lived here for four years. And I've experienced this Oklahoma wind. And in four years, I've never had one person say, I love the wind here. <laughs> and i got to wonder, is there anybody in the room who would say, I love the wind when it blows really hard? Anybody just, I love the wind. Come on, there's got to be one person in the room who loves the wind, right? we got one. You love the wind. I thought, man, what a way to live your life. Can you imagine just getting up and saying, Net, what a horrible day. The wind's not blowing. <laughs> I was hoping it was going to blow really hard today. I don't know that I'll ever learn to love the wind in Oklahoma City. But I'm going to work at that. But when I read these words of this prayer, I find some people who love to give. I mean, the language that they use, just, just listen to it, okay? Here's what he says. That we should be able to give this generously. I mean, it's with a heart of joy. All this abundance that we provided for building a temple for your name. I mean, I mean here's what happens in verse 9. The people rejoiced, meaning they were singing and they were shouting, they were singing and they were dancing, and they were clapping because of the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. I mean, here's people who just love to give. What if it was like this? You came to church on Sunday and the pastor stood up to preach and you were never again like, oh, he's going to talk about money or he's going to talk about generosity. What if it was like, pastor, please preach more about money and generosity, will you? We love to give. I, I, I think just before I move on, there's, there's one other thing to say. And the other thing to say is this. Um, The series that I've preached over the last few years about building margin in your life and clearing the stage and making space have become series that have gotten more feedback from you than any other sermons that I've preached. And I think the reason is because we all know that our lives are somewhat out of control. And we live to the edge financially. And we live to the edge with our schedule. So generosity is not just about money. It's about time. It's about giving your whole life. I mean, it's about sharing your life with someone, helping someone. 
but we live to the edge. No margin. I mean, if this is the edge, we, our toes are hanging off. And at our house, Pastor Rick, once all the bills are paid, there isn't any other. And once we get through with our week, I mean, there's no time for anybody else. I mean, we live our lives to the edge. And I would find no joy in standing here this morning and trying to make you feel guilty when you were financially strapped for not being more generous. But I would say that I think you have to find a way to find margin in your life. And for some of us, that is easier than others of us to accomplish. But to be able to generously give of money, especially when we feel financially strapped, or time when we are living our lives to the edge in the calendar, it's very difficult to do. So why, why any of this, okay? So why do I need to learn to be generous? And why do I need to change the way that I think about everything that I have, time and money and everything God's given me. Smith tells us a story that he finds in the Bible that Jesus told. And it's found in Luke 16. Anybody remember what that story is in Luke 16 real quick is? Here's the way the story starts. There was a rich man who dressed in purple and fine linen and feasted sumptuously every day. He's describing us, isn't he? There was a rich man who dressed in purple and fine linen and feasted sumptuously every day. We get up in the morning and you know one of the things that we hate doing? Getting ready. Because we stand in our closets and we look at all of those clothes and all of those shoes and we think, what am I going to wear today? I hate having to go through this process. What am I going to wear? There's so many choices. I, what am I going to I don't know what to wear. I mean, look at all of this. What, how do I choose? Hate getting ready. First world problems drives us nuts, do they not? And then we've got to decide where we're going to eat and what we're going to eat. I don't know. No, that doesn't sound good. I eat that all the time. No, that doesn't sound good. I eat too much of that. No, that doesn't sound good. I need to lose weight. What am I going to eat? Where am I going to eat? I mean, when I hear the story about a guy who dresses in purple and fine linen and eats sumptuously every day, I'm thinking, well, that sounds like all of us. And then Jesus goes on to say, but there was a poor man, a beggar who laid at the gate of the rich man. His body was full of sores. And then Jesus says, He would have loved to have eaten the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. He would have loved that. So you get the idea that the rich man steps over the poor man every day to go to his home. And Jesus says, the poor man dies. And he is carried off to the arms of Abraham. And the rich man dies. Do you remember how the story goes from there? The rich man calls out to Abraham, Father Abraham! Because he sees Lazarus at his side, the poor man. 
Would you send Lazarus, have him to dip his finger in some water and come to me so he can touch it on my tongue because I'm being tormented by these flames? A drop of water on your tongue? Seriously? And do you remember Abraham's response? There is a chasm fixed between us that nobody can cross. Sorry. So what's the point of the story? I think the point of the story is really simple. When it comes to generosity, there is a clock ticking. And when the clock runs out, at that point, to realize that I have not been generous is not something I can fix from the grave. When it comes to generosity, there is a clock ticking. And when the clock runs out, Realizing my lack of generosity cannot be fixed from the grave. Our faith in Jesus must be expressed in the way that we live our daily lives. What I believe in my heart must have a direct correlation with how I live my life. You agree? So you want to stand with me? kind of look forward to this time together because I, I want us to take some time to pray before we go, okay? And so what do you mean? Well, I mean, like you've heard the sermon and maybe God spoke to you through it and maybe you feel like I have felt so many times in my life that God, I want you to make me more generous. And so if that's the case and you want to pray about that, you're welcome to pray about that. And so we have altars here that simply mean that. It's a place where you can pray. It's a place where you can talk to God. And so if you want to come and pray for that reason, you're, you're more than welcome. Or if you want to pray where you're standing, or if you want to sit down and pray, you can do that there. But, but my goal is that we would spend some time praying before we leave today, okay? And so it may be that there are other reasons that you would want to pray this morning, and, and that's completely appropriate. This morning, someone came to the altar, and they asked a pastor to anoint them with oil and pray for their physical healing. And so we're always glad to do that. And there'll be pastors here to pray for you this morning. In fact, Casey, if you want to step over this way and if I could have another pastor over on this side, that'd be great. Sometimes it's really good just to have somebody to put their hands on you and pray for you. Maybe it's something you're going through as a family. You say, man, Rick, we really need God's help in our lives as a family. Just come on down and pray. 
Come together as a family if you like. I think that's awesome when families come. There may be somebody that you love a great deal and you want to pray for them. A, a son, a daughter, mom or dad, a brother, sister, a family member, a friend. And maybe it would mean a lot to them if they saw you at the altar today praying for them. And so I want you to feel a freedom to do that. Whatever the reason. Good things going on in your life. You want to give God thanks? You can come and give God thanks. But before we go today, Kyle's going to lead us in a song that's very appropriate for the sermon. And if you want to come and pray, I would just say, let's just linger here for a few minutes before we go. And, and maybe do one of the most significant things you'll do today. And that is talk to God. Okay? So let's pray together. We have nothing to give that differs Come from your hands We have nothing to offer you Which you did not provide Every good, perfect gift comes from Your kind and gracious heart And all we do is give back to
So before you go, uh, I'd love to pray this morning, okay? So Father, thank you for your word. We look at these people that lived so many thousands of years ago. And we think about their generosity and we wonder sometimes, what did they know that we do not know? Or what did they believe that we fail to sometimes believe? So thank you for teaching us through them today. We thank you, Lord, that um, this whole idea of being generous is not about guilt. It's about joy. And finding the joy in being generous. I realize, Lord, that people are praying this morning all over the room for different reasons. And I want to lift my brothers and my sisters in prayer to you today. It's really good to pray for one another. I love Michael, Lord. And I anoint him with oil in Jesus' name. And I pray for your touch on Michael's life. I would be so bold this morning, Lord, to pray for healing for Michael. He's my friend. And I love him very much. And I pray for your touch on him, Lord. And I pray for Jeannie. blessings on her. I continue to pray for Emma. I continue, Lord, to pray for Hudson. It seems like sometimes, Lord, this list of people we pray for is pretty long. There's brokenness, there's pain, there's hurt. We need you. So thanks for hearing us pray today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Great, thanks. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.